Hey, welcome in. Stick of Truth Podcast alongside Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlerth, Millennial Ben, producing the show. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Mike, how are you, buddy? Mark, I'm doing great. I can't wait for this weekend NFL divisional round. Many people believe not only the best weekend in the NFL, but maybe the best weekend in uh, all of sports. But before we get to the games, there, there there's a lot of compelling stories out there, and they revolve, what do you know, about coaches and quarterbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, what what do you think is next for, for Tom Brady? Julian Edelman, who we now refer to as? Jules. Jules. Jules said that uh, Tom will, will only go to a place where he can win. So where is that? Yeah, that's a great well, that's a great question. I mean, I think, like, one, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fired everybody. Like, they fired their offensive staff, Bob, you know, Byron Leftwich. They fired Clive Christensen or Clyde Christensen. Uh, their quarterback coach, like, they fired a bunch of off, and they fired some guys on defense as well, but – you know, was that a plea to say, hey, Brady, we're going to give you whatever offense you want. We're going to fix this thing, whatever. I, I, I really don't know. I, my my gut tells me, like, the best landing place for Tom Brady, ready-made, is the Raiders. I mean, you look at Josh McDaniels. They've already gotten rid of, of Derek Carr, right? They, they kicked him to the curb. So, Derek Carr is no longer there. Do you really believe that, that Stidham is going to be your guy? I don't think so. And you've got uh, Devontae Adams, who is arguably the best receiver in all of football. You have got uh, Waller coming back at the tight end position. You've got Moreau, who you also developed in that tight end position. So you got a too tight system coming back. you got Hunter Renfro coming back. You, you, you know, you, you've got a running game. Like, does that not in the offense that you know, like the back of your hand with the coach that coached you forever and won championships with you, don't you think that that's the, just the best fit? Um, that, that would be my guess is the best fit. I would also say that Miami, based on your relationship with the owner, Stephen Ross, you're both Michigan men. So, I mean, that, that they, there was a dalliance, there was some yachts, there was, there was some stuff that went on a couple of off seasons ago that, um, that, you know, like it's like Voldemort. We just don't talk about it anymore, but there was some stuff that went down with Brady and with that owner and. I would think that that would be something that the, the Miami Dolphins would want to explore also. But, like, those would be the two places that I think make the most sense. What about you? I, I, have, I have always thought that uh, the, the Raiders made a, a lot of sense, that he, he goes right into a situation where he and Josh are immediately on the same page. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no introduction period necessary. They, mm-hmm. just, they just jump in and, and go. So I think it would – plus, Brady in Vegas – It'd be like the return of Elvis. You know, it'd be like Elvis just living on the, the top floor of the sands. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Would he get, I wonder if he'd get a residency. Right. Like, where, like where he just is every, like, the, when he's not playing on Sundays, like, I don't know, like Monday through <laughs> Monday through Friday, he's like, uh, he just, you just come in and look at him. Like, he just stands on the <laughs> he stage. He opens for, for Donnie like, and Marie. Right. Like, for two hours, and he just stands there and, and strikes modeling pose. He's studying <laughs> film and doing stuff. And you just pop, buy tickets, come in, and watch him prepare. Like, that would make sense to me. Perfect sense. So, like, like yeah, I, I think that fits. Uh, the, other thing, the other thing is kind of old dog, new tricks. Like, you and I were both doing our radio show when Peyton Manning took over in 2015 for um, for uh, the, the – the, not Peyton Manning, excuse me. Peyton Manning was already there in 2015. But when Gary Kubiak came in 
and installed Gary Kubiak's offense in 2015. And he and Peyton Manning, they clashed. I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a perfect fit. And there were a lot of things that uh, that Gary Kubiak wanted done that Peyton Manning, frankly, didn't want to do. And, you know, they found some happy medium, and they started, uh, like, they, eventually they kind of morphed into, instead of being in under center all the time, we're going to do some more pistol stuff and all that kind of stuff. But that was not necessarily a smooth transition, Mike. And, you know, I, I look at, like, a lot of people say San Francisco – do you really want to come in and learn an entire new offense when you're used to doing what you like to do? Like, like that doesn't – I know that he's from that area and that he grew up a big Niners fan and that he watched Joe Montana, but that just doesn't seem like the simplest transition to me. Aaron Rodgers, what do you uh, think is next for Aaron, who, who caught actually a little bit of flack from, from Gronk, of all people? You know, right. happy chuckle guy, Rob Gronkowski, coming on saying, hey, that that's a bad look. Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be worried about MVPs. He should be worried about winning Super Bowls. Yeah, to be fair, I don't know what the question was. Like, it, it, could you still play at an MVP level? If that was the question, hell yeah, I can still win MVPs and play at an MVP level. Like, like of course you would say that. That would be like if somebody said, hey, Gronk, could you come back from retirement and still play at a Pro Bowl level? Yeah, of course I can come back and play at a Pro Bowl level. Why isn't Grok thinking about Super Bowls instead of Pro Bowls, right? I mean, so that that is one of those things where the answer can be kind of taken out of con without the context of the question. I don't know what the question was, but there's no in, in my mind. Of course, he could still come back and play at a you know at a MVP level and win another MVP. Yes, it is about winning a championship. You've got to be able to win a championship somewhere. Um, I think that's what, you know, I, I, I trust that that's what Rodgers uh, is about. But you're going to have a lot better chance to win a championship, in my imagination, if you're playing at an MVP level. So, um, yeah, but that, I mean, it is what it is. Like, Aaron Rodgers, and you've said this before, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, think about their franchise, Mike, and you're the one that has brought this up to me many times. You've had 30 years of two of the best quarterbacks, first ballot Hall of Famers that have ever done it, and you've come away with two championships in 30 years. With the, like, that's it's a remarkable – call it what it is. It's a remarkable failure. The dynasty that never was. Yeah. I mean, that's that's – it is remarkable when you've had those two guys. You think about in the last 30 years, hell, since 2015, the Broncos, I think, have had – 11 quarterback or 12 quarter like starting quarterbacks like you think about the quarterback purgatory that most teams are in bouncing from guy to guy to guy the jets it's this guy no it's this guy it's this third overall pick no it's this second overall pick oh wait neither of them can play let's move on like you think about maybe we can go out and get lamar jackson like all these franchises that are struggling to find a quarterback and you've had for 30 years two of the best that have ever played and won two world championships. It's that's just unacceptable. So I, I don't know my, like, what do you think? Do you think, do you think Aaron, I think Aaron is playing again. Um, and I asked him at the end of the season, I had one of their games like week, I don't know what it was week 11, week 12. I had a, a Chicago or a green Bay Chicago game. And I, plum, I, I asked him at the end of doing all our production meetings, I said, all right, like, what gives? Are you, are you are you coming back? Are you playing next year? And he said, I don't I don't know. And if I do decide to come back, where? Like, where am I going to play? And basically saying, hey, man, 
Green Bay has been great to me. I would understand if they wanted to move on just like they wanted to move on from Brett Favre. Like, I understand that. So, I don't know. Like, there feels – and maybe he comes back and plays for Green Bay again, and in all likelihood he probably does, but – it certainly feels like there's an opportunity to play elsewhere well, or that there is that, that there's a feeling in his mind that he may have to go play elsewhere. So if, if he goes somewhere, to, to me, San Francisco makes a lot of sense. Again, Bay Area guy, right? Went to Cal. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it wouldn't be the true homecoming that it would be for a guy like uh, like Brady. But if you're talking about seamlessly going from one offense to another – wouldn't mm-hmm. Rodgers going to San Francisco make a, a lot more sense than than Brady going to San Francisco? Yeah, because those offenses, um, yeah, it depends on what personnel groups you like to use more often than not and all that stuff. But just remember, Mike LaFleur, or excuse me, not Mike, but uh, Matt LaFleur, Mike is brother from the Jets who just got fired, but Matt LaFleur was on that Shanahan staff in Washington where Kyle Shanahan was, you know, was the offensive coordinator. Mike Shanahan was the head coach. So, like, that's a portion of – that's a portion or that's a derivative of that West Coast offense that he, Sean McVay, everybody runs. So, for Rodgers to go to San Francisco, um, like I said, that's not seamless for Brady to go to San Francisco. For Rodgers, it's pretty seamless. You, you're going right in from – one derivative of that offense right into another one. And so that one would be far more seamless than Brady going up to San Francisco. Yeah, so I, think I when agree the, with that. Yeah, I think when the uh, coaching carousel music ends and you're you're diving for a seat, I, I think it makes sense. Brady to Vegas, Rodgers to San Francisco. Now, Sean Payton, uh, the biggest name out there now in the in the coaching derby. Where do you think he's going? Well, listen, maybe this is me just trying to speak it into existence, okay? But when Sean Payton comes out and says on multiple platforms, hey, here are the two things that are important to me, the the, the two number one things that are important. One, ownership. Ownership that has deep pockets, ownership that's not going to meddle, ownership you know that's going to allow you to do your job, to give you the authority to do your job and all that kind of stuff. And then – a quarterback, quarterback that I believe in. Well, there's only one franchise out there that can provide both of those things. Of all the jobs that are open, there's one franchise that fits that criteria that the coach himself gave everybody in the nation, and that's the Broncos. That's it. You know, period, end of sentence. Boom, right there. You've got ownership with the deepest pockets in football, that aren't afraid to spend the money. Hell, they spent $400,000 to, to resaw the turf for a Week 18 contest. $100 million for a new scoreboard. Like, you know, I mean, they've got it. And a quarterback in which Sean Payton himself said on television as he was working for Fox, hey, man, Russell Wilson's fine. You got to just go back to doing the stuff they did in Seattle for him, and he'll be fine. Like, there's no question that he believes that he can fix Russell Wilson that he can put him in the right, you know, play in the right offense to make to get the best out of him. There's no other there's no other team that that has both of those criteria. So, to me, he's either coaching for the Broncos, Mike, or he's going back to do TV for one more year and waiting for the uh the Chargers job to open up. 
The the Russell Wilson thing is interesting. Russell, a, a terrible season, worst year in his career. Mm-hmm. People are already saying that the the trade for Russell Wilson will go down as the worst trade in in NFL history. But Russ has been very, uh, very publicly uh, supportive and and very complimentary of of Sean Payton. Has gone to great lengths to talk up Sean Payton, how much he mm-hmm. enjoys Sean Payton, and it's created a, an idea here in Denver. That whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is an instant red flag. You just went from a situation where Russ comes in in year one with all kinds of promises made and all kinds of concessions, doing it Russ's way, and the and the last thing you need now is another head coach who's gonna kiss Russell Wilson's ring. That's why you don't go after Sean Payton, says some. You know mm. Sean Payton. Is Sean Payton the type that would kiss Russell Wilson's ring? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, in no way, shape, or form. Sean Payton is in charge. And um, will there be a relationship? Absolutely. Will it? Uh, will there be some give and take? Yeah, of course. You're going to have those conversations. But there's going to be one guy who's in charge, one guy who decides the direction of the franchise and what they're doing, and that's Sean Payton. That dude, let me just, let me just tell you, holding people accountable um, – you know, creating great matchups and doing all the stuff that is important when it comes to the X's and O's. But he's in charge of the franchise. He's in charge of the organization. And there is, like, when he's not happy, nobody's going to be happy because that dude will hold everybody accountable. And he is in charge. And and when you work for Sean Payton, whether you play for him or whether you, you coach for him, you know that your job's on the line. If you don't perform you're not going to get to play or you're not going to get a coach anymore. That's who he is. So like it, it, that, that whole thing is a bunch of like, it's, it's preposterous to think that he would come in here and he'd be like, Oh, Russ, you don't like that. Okay. Well, let me change that up. Oh, or, or like whoever, like the owners or the, uh, or the general manager isn't going to fully empower Sean Payton to do his job. That's, that's just silly talk. So, plenty of non-NFL uh, playoff stories, but uh, now let's get to the games this weekend. Four really good, fun matchups to get into and dive into. Let's start and go in order. You got Jacksonville at Kansas City, a rematch of a Week 10 game in which Kansas City won that game 27-17 at Arrowhead. And in that game, Patrick Mahomes threw for four touchdowns. Are you expecting more of the same in this one? Or are the Jags starting to take on... A little bit of that team of destiny maybe starting to resemble that team in 1995 that walked into Denver and shocked your Denver Broncos. You shut your mouth, Mike Evans. Don't you ever. <laughs> don't you ever. It's too easy. I couldn't it's, resist. It was yeah, a hanging I curveball. I No, I get it. Hey, listen. Like, I think there's – I think here's, here's how Jacksonville could win that game, right? So, you've got a one. Time possession becomes very important. The three losses that Kansas City had this year, they got beaten time possession in all three of those losses, okay? So it's shrinking the game. Why is that important? And I'm sure they won a bunch of games that they've lost the time possession to. So, like, like it's not like a uh, – uh, there's a fail-safe stat. You're like, that's not it's, – it's, it's stupid. But why time possession to me is important is when you shrink the game – you do several things. One, when you control the tempo and you control the clock, you frustrate the offense on the sideline, meaning 
You control the tempo and the clock. Now Kansas City sits on the sideline and they get a little bit antsy, a little bit frustrated, right? Maybe take a few chances that they probably shouldn't. So that's one. Two, to me, when you when you play that style, you're shrinking not only the game, you're shrinking the opportunities. So, for instance, in the game last week where Jacksonville beat the Chargers, the Chargers got four possessions in the second half. Four. Now, why is that important? Well, an average game in the NFL is an average game is 12 possessions, 12 to 13 possessions. So, you get six a half essentially. You shrink it, you shrink it by two possessions, get it down to four, it gives you as an offense two more possessions to to score, and that's what you have to have to have that comeback, right? So, like, that's why shrinking the game is important. Ultimately, then on defense, um, you play a, a soft shell type of defense. You basically say to the Kansas City Chiefs, we're going to invite you to do something you hate to do. We're going to invite you to run the ball. Remember, the Super Bowl that they lost a couple of years ago to Tampa Bay, they averaged, I think, about 7.5 yards per carry, and I believe their running backs got like nine carries. Like Andy Reid historically has not wanted to beat you that way. And so, like, there's a formula out there, but to execute that formula, it's going to be, like, if you if you played that game ten times, Kansas City blows you out nine times. But that formula is the one formula where you can win that twenty-seven twenty-four game. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's I think it's a double-digit blowout by Kansas. City. Do you really? Okay, I was going to ask. The Chiefs are a nine-point favorite. Yeah. I was going to take the. I, I think the Jags cover, just because I think they're they're playing with some some real good mojo here right now, and uh, they're the, they're the classic underdog, nothing to lose. They just played the Chiefs not too long ago at Arrowhead, so they shouldn't be freaked out about that. I think they keep it close. I think they keep it close, okay. but uh, okay. Kansas City so, wins. Okay, so I gave you, like, four really solid yes. analytical points, yeah. and you gave me mojo. Okay, I'm Mo- just writing this down. Okay, <laughs> great. I okay. see your thorough NFL analysis, <laughs> and I raise you mojo. <laughs> hey, you keep the baby and the mojo, or you keep the mojo and the money, and I just get the baby. <laughs> uh, next, we've got uh, the Giants and Eagles. Interesting matchup where these two teams play twice over the final five weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Eagles won both of them, but Jalen Hurts still somewhat of a question mark as he comes back from the shoulder injury. And, boy, you look at the Giants. You kept telling all of us on this podcast a week ago, watch out for the Giants, watch out for the Giants, watch out for the Giants, and they went out and looked good in beating Minnesota. Yeah, they did. They did look really good. Um, I I will – like, I like – I like – this is a different Giants football team. The other thing is they've gotten a Dory Jackson back at the cornerback position after being on IR for some time. They got – Xavier McKinney back on the uh, on the defensive position, kind of the defensive team captain, the safety position. So they got two of their primary their primary players back, which you know obviously really helps them. Um, so that was a big that was a big plus uh, for them. 
And, you know, and, and Daniel Jones playing much better. Like, this is a much better football team than the one that got blown out by the Eagles about uh, five weeks or six weeks ago. So, it's a better team. It's got a few different elements to that team. And like you said, Jalen Hurts is, you know, Jalen Hurts really didn't play much in the last month of the season. He had the one start and um, really didn't play great in that game either, coming off the shoulder surgery or surgery injury, excuse me, not surgery, but injury. So, yeah, I, I think rhythm is important. Here's, like, here's what I'll say. I, like, I did a I did a game several years ago with Wink Martindale, who's the defense coordinator of the New York Giants, when he was the coordinator in, in Baltimore. And it was against a primary or a real prominent quarterback who was having an outstanding season, Mike, and uh, was leading the league in touchdowns and everything else. And I said, okay, so, you know, what's the game plan? How do you, how do you get, you know, how do you get to this guy? And he goes, oh, man. I want to make this guy throw it 40-plus times. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you make him throw it 40-plus times, we, we'll win this game going away. I go, how so? And he goes, I, you know, he gives me all these all these things that he wants to do, you know, changing up coverages and doing all this stuff. But that's my game plan. So I'm going to take away the run. I'm going to play a five-down front. Both edges are going to be complete. You know, I'm going to blitz on rundowns. I'm going to bring pressures and da-da-da-da-da. And, um, you know, put them in third and long. I'm going to make this guy throw it 40-plus times. And you know what? He did exactly that. And the Ravens, you know, walked in that game. Had a pick six and a bunch. Like You're like, wow. That's pretty incredible and pretty impressive of what you were able to do. I think the same thing can be said. And Jalen Hurts now, although he has never had 40 attempts so far this year, he's one in four in games where he's had attempts and I'm, I'm just telling you like shoulder injury all that kind of stuff one thing you don't want is you don't want to you don't want to let the Philadelphia Eagles get rolling when it comes to when it comes to running the ball because they can cram it down your throat just a you know power game right down the middle whether it's whether it's you know duo or whether it's just tight mid zone they can attack your edge, whether it's wide zone of the edge or it's pin and pull stuff and get their center out on the edge. They've got the quarterback run. If you let them do that stuff, they'll blow you out. All right, because so you then got- all their play action stuff rolls off that. If you can stop all their run game, you make Jalen Hurts beat you. I like your chances. So the Eagles are a seven and a half point favorite. Who you got? Uh, I have got uh, – I think the Eagles win, but I think the Giants make it close and cover the spread. I'm with you on that one. Same thing. Okay, you've got the Bills and the Bengals, and the game's in Buffalo, but uh, apparently everybody in Buffalo and Kansas City are already assuming it's a done deal, and we're already looking ahead to the rematch in the AFC Championship game in Atlanta where apparently some – 50,000 seats have already been sold, bought Mm. by Bills fans and Chiefs fans, and it'll be one of those, like, college-type things where Bills fans will sit on one side and Chiefs fans will sit on the other side. Meanwhile, you got the Bengals probably sitting back going, whoa, 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 whoa. We went 12-4 and and we're in the Super Bowl a year ago. Don't overlook us. Talk about uh, bulletin board material, huh? Yeah, no question. I think the Bengals, obviously, you and I have talked about this. I think the Bengals have a chance to go in and beat anybody, anytime, anywhere. I think they're that good. Three offensive linemen down, what does that mean? Well, when you roll in there, 
it means that it's on your coaching staff, incumbent on your coaching staff to do a great job of calling the game. And they did last week in Baltimore. They did a great job. Everything was three-step drop, get the ball out of your hands, swing pass, you know, RPO game that's off a three-step drop, um, little hitches and things of that nature. And they did that. But remember, you know, they won that game. What was it, 24-17 or whatever it was? They run that on, won that on a 14-point swing off a fumble on the goal line. They got returned 98 yards by a defensive end. So, like, you can do that and you can, you know, you can win games when you're playing against a mediocre at best offense um, that you're dominating. But you can't, like, to me it's going to be hard to win that game unless the Bills turn it over. Unless, you know, unless – Josh Allen continues to be a little bit reckless like he was last week against Miami with the football. If he's reckless with the football, then you've got a chance. But I just don't think that style of offense for you, without being able to push the ball down the field with three backup offensive linemen in there, is is a recipe for success. So at some point, you know, you're going to have to have some dropbacks. You're going to have to do that stuff. And as long as Josh Allen and that offense doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Bills win this. I think the Bills cover. All right, it is a five-and-a-half-point spread. That leaves us with the uh, last one, and, boy, this invokes a lot of great memories, the uh, 49ers and the Cowboys. Dallas getting a real big monkey off their back by by winning last week. Uh, You you picked Tampa. uh, You like Tampa. And but Dallas went out and throttled yeah. them defensively. Dak Prescott was terrific. San Francisco gets two more extra days of rest. But Dallas, I don't know. I think Dallas has some uh, some real momentum that they're taking into this game. Yeah, Dallas is. I mean, if if Dak Prescott, if he plays with the conviction he played with <laughs> on Monday night, um, I think Dallas wins the game. Like, if he throws the ball with the accuracy and the conviction that he threw the ball with, um, you know, down the middle of the field to Schultz and all that, then and then I think they, they win this game. I just don't know against this 49ers defense that you can throw it with that kind of conviction and that kind of accuracy because they're going to disrupt you to some degree. Now, 49ers offensively, are, they're a juggernaut. The way they run the ball, they set up their play-action game off of it. I think Brock Purdy probably like completed about eighty percent, like eighty percent of the things he completed were all crossing routes. Right, they're like eight yard throws that turned into with Debo Samuel a seventy four yard touchdown or a twenty one yard, twenty two yard explosive play off an eight yard throw. Like that's that's what they do offensively. So for Dallas, I mean, one Dak's going to have to play great. Two, you have got to dominate the edge. If you let the 49ers attack the C-gap and the D-gap, the outside edges of the defense, if you let them possess that, all their play-action stuff comes off of that. Getting the defense running, getting it flowing to protect that edge, and then, whoop, out the backside with not only the cutback runs, but the over-the-top throws. If you if you let them control that edge of the, uh, of, you know, of the defense, the edge rushing the ball, the outside lanes rushing the ball, I think San Francisco beats you. I, this has the all the potential to be a classic, great game. Um, I'm I'm with trepidation, Mike. I am taking the Niners, but I think the Cowboys 
are a super talented team, and I think they've got a great chance of going into San Francisco and coming out with a victory. So San Francisco, you think, wins. Uh, do they cover their four-point favorite? Um, I'm going to say no. It's going to be a three-point yeah. game. I'll take the Cowboys to cover. Okay, very good. All right, it should be fun. Can't wait to uh, see who we got in the uh, AFC, and, AFC and NFC championship games to talk about next week. You and, me both, uh, you and me both, brother. That does it for us. For everybody involved in the Stinging Truth podcast, we just uh, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy. Um, like to thank our presenting sponsor, that are the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, Bet with Bet Rivers. For Mike, I am Mark from Millennial Bim, producing the show. We thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again next week in the uh, championship round.